Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The crown jewel. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This this is the More Money Show on Talk Radio WABC. Always an honor and privilege to talk to you every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. And we have listeners not just in the New York area, but throughout the country. So thank you so much for joining me. This is the joy of my week to be able to have the uh, high privilege of talking to you about what is going on with the economy, what's going on with uh the foolishness in Washington and how it will affect your money. I'm really excited about today's show, by the way, folks, because uh, we will have on the show at the bottom of the hour, the most famous economist in the world, uh, and Arthur B. Laffer of the Laffer Curve, and who is uh, president, uh, who has worked for Richard Nixon. He was the economist who gave us the rake and tax cuts. He was highly influential with uh, President Trump uh, in helping Larry Kudlow and myself in a smaller way put together that great tax cut that had such a profoundly positive effect on our economy. So please stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun a chart. Uh, Arthur Laffer, by the way, was the best man in my wedding. So he is my best friend in the world and is, by the way, my uh, you're not going to believe this. I mean, this is pretty cool, folks. I actually had two best men in my wedding. I got married seven years ago, second marriage. And my co-best men, are you ready for this? Did it get any better than this, folks? Arthur Laffer and Larry Kudlow. And uh, we had a a blast that night. And uh, I am happily married now for seven years to my wonderful wife, Anne. And so I want to talk in just this opening segment, if I may, about what is really going on with the federal budget and the crisis that we have in our system of the way we're financing government. By the way, before I say that, um, I was just listening to the news segment right before we came on, and I am so fuming about what is happening uh, in Ohio right now with the cover-up of this major environmental public health disaster with this derailment and these toxic chemicals, and the damn incompetence of the Biden administration, and Pete Buttigieg and his EPA uh, and his health staff for not dealing with this crisis. It's been, well, how many days has it been? Four or five days? Uh, And people are getting sick. It's been reported wisely. And the Biden administration has done virtually nothing. Uh, these are the people who keep telling us how concerned they are about the environment, and people are getting sick from the water and the air that they're breathing, and the Biden people are too concerned with climate change to deal with a real health and environmental crisis. 
I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. It enrages me that that is the sheer incompetence of this administration, or maybe they just don't care. They're too concerned about what the temperature of the planet might be on the planet Earth 100 years from now than what's happening in our own backyard right now with children and mothers and families getting sick. Now, look, I don't know how serious this is, but I do know uh, that people are not making up these symptoms. They're all talking about the same symptoms from the fumes and from the uh, contamination of the water there. And the Biden administration are doing nothing, a, either A, because they don't care, or B, because they're completely incompetent. And I don't know which one is worse, <laughs> frankly. I don't know which, which explanation is worse, but I don't know. Is there any other possible explanation for why they have not rushed in and provided the medical care necessary, the cleanup necessary that we have an EPA for? So I just wanted to get that off my chest. Now, let's talk about some more bad news from the Biden administration, the meltdown in our uh, fiscal situation in Washington. Now, there was a new report that just came out, uh, let's see, I think it came out Wednesday or Thursday of this past week, from the Congressional Budget Office. They're the official scorekeepers of what's happening with our federal budget. And what they told us is that in the next 10 years, our <laughs> debt is headed to just shy of fifty trillion dollars, five zero trillion dollars. So there are thirteen zeros in fifty trillion. By the way, thirteen zeros. These are ungodly, unfathomable numbers. Uh, I am in distress for our country about how much we are overspending and overborrowing in Washington. And here's what I wanted to make sure that everybody understands, because I don't care as, as those of you are regular listeners, you know, I don't care if I'm a, you're a Republican, a Democrat, independent, whatever you are. I'm li pretty libertarian. I want the government just get out of my way to just, you know, keep our streets safe, to keep our national security safe and let people do what they want to do. That's my own philosophy. Everybody has a different philosophy. But I also want them to manage our money in a way that is responsible. And when you're borrowing, it's, I think the number is like it's close to $46 trillion we'll be borrowing in 10 years' time. Now, blame it on – yes, you can blame it on past presidents. I work for Donald Trump. I think he did amazing things for our economy, but I will admit he was not a fiscal tightwad. We spent and borrowed too much money under Donald Trump. So I'm here to admit that as someone who worked for him and thinks highly of him. But Biden came in. And one massive spending bill after another, after another. When I talk massive, I'm talking about multi-trillions of dollars of spending bills. And so what I did, and I just did this this morning, so you're getting a sneak preview of this. I'll be publishing this in the next day or two, probably for Fox News, is that the debt, if you compare what the debt was supposed to be over the next 10 years before Biden came into office, that is in the waning days of the Trump administration, Versus what the debt is now expected to be over the next 10 years. Ready for this, folks? The debt projections are up by another $6 trillion. And they were horrific before he came into office. I'm not blaming the $50 trillion on him, but I am blaming the $6 trillion addition when, in fact, we should be retiring our debt now that COVID is well past us. And in the past, when we've had a, secure, a security crisis or a war 
or some re- a Great Depression, we would borrow during the bad times. And then when the economy got better or the war was over, we would actually pay back our debt and start to retire our debt. We're doing exactly the opposite under Joe Biden. Spend, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. Uh, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. So use the crisis to pass a progressive left-wing agenda. And I've got to tell you, as an economist, someone who believes in the greatness of America, I, I do believe we can get through this. But we're not going to get through this if we continue. Let me give you an analogy that I think is a pretty good one. The Titanic. When the Titanic is steaming towards the iceberg, the prudent thing to do is slow down the Titanic or swerve out of the way. We are the Titanic. We are headed to the iceberg. We are headed to a financial crisis in this country because of overspending and massive amounts of debt that we don't owe to ourselves, we owe it to other countries and so on. And there is still time to turn this Titanic around. There's still time to do it. But Biden's saying, speed up, speed up. Let's get to the iceberg even faster. And I think that's a perfect analogy for our financial situation today. Now, I'm I'm not one who is prone to hyperbole. Uh, I'm not one who's runs around saying the world's coming to an end. That's the, what the left does. So whether it's COVID or whether it's the climate change, or so, it's always some crisis with them. What I'm here to tell you is there is one real crisis in this country that is not fiction. It is fact. And that is the decline of America's financial situation and the recklessness of both parties, okay? I'm not blaming All those who have perpetrated these. I'm blaming it on both parties, folks. Now, we've got to fix this. We need to cut spending. We need to cut borrowing. And we need to do it immediately. That's why, look, I'm not particularly good friends with Kevin McCarthy. I've known Kevin McCarthy for 15 years. Sometimes we argue it out. Sometimes we agree. But I'll tell you, on this particular issue, I'm with Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans. We are not going to raise this debt ceiling by another several trillion dollars until we have a firm commitment and a plan with ironclad uh, safeguards that keep us on a path to a balanced budget. Whether it's four years or six years or eight years or 10 years, we have to get to zero because every year that goes by, we're compounding the problem. Now, I've only got a minute left before we take our first break, but I want to impress upon you one interesting thing. I just did the calculations of what our budget will look like in five years, just if we stay on the, the path that Biden wants to stay us on. And, you know, he says, just keep, you know, just let me keep doing what I'm doing. Give me an unlimited credit card. If we do that in five years time, we will be spending more money on interest on the debt in Washington that, that we'll be spending more money just paying for the interest on the spending we've already done than we will on our entire military our entire national defense. That's disgusting. That's outrageous. That is a travesty. So we cannot allow that to happen because those interest payments will go up and up and up and every year. Here's why. One, we're borrowing more money, which is obvious. So if you borrow more money, your interest costs go up. But the second factor is interest rates are going up. So the cost of borrowing keeps going up as well. So every month that goes by, the cost of our borrowing is made worse. That is a death spiral of finances. It's a death spiral. We have to get out of it. So can we? <laughs> can we do that? We need your help, folks. We need you to 
Do everything you can. Go out into the streets and peacefully demonstrate about the financial and fiscal uh, catastrophe that we are facing in Washington. If you care about your kids and grandkids, I, I don't have any grandkids yet, unfortunately, but I have five kids. Three are my own. Two are my stepson's. And I, yeah, I care about their financial future. And I'm disgusted with the world that we're turning over to them. And it's not climate change. It's the financial crisis of a government that is spending out of control. Okay, I'm going to step down from my soapbox now. Uh, we have an exciting sh- uh, show. We're going to hear from the Paynes, who are going to talk, Ryan and Bob Payne, who are going to talk about a financial situation a little bit. In the bottom of the hour, stick, stay tuned for this, folks. You don't want to miss that. I'm going to go live with Arthur Laffer on Talk Radio WABC. This is the More Money Show. Talk Radio 77 This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio in New York, the number one talk radio station in America. Time for our finance and money section with Bob and Ryan Payne, two of the best in the business from Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, uh, good afternoon. How are you doing? Steve, couldn't be better, Steve. (laughs) If I was doing it better, I'd be guilty. So, you know, I'm just getting seasick seasick from watching this market. (laughs) Every day, (laughs) one day, we're up 300 points. I think, Bob, it's a point that you made last week, and I'd love you to recite again some of those statistics about how many days we've had the uh, you know, over the last year, we've had the uh, market really surge one day and then go down the next day. And this is kind of an almost pr- unprecedented uh, topsy-turvy market, isn't it? Yeah, it really was. I mean, last year, for example, we had uh, more 1% moves on a daily basis than almost any time in history. But these right. things do happen from time to time. And, and historically, Steve, what it tells us as investors is that uh-huh. the leadership is changing. You no, know, like the companies that are going to do the best over the next couple of years are going to be different than what we're leading mm. the market over the past 10 years. So it's not a reason to panic. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, you know, okay. volatility is actually, if you're a smart investor, you know, we know that, uh, you know, investing is really about emotions. So if you can control your emotions, um, <laughs> you know, you can look at these, these volatile days are a great time to invest because the right. overall trend has been up since last October. So I wanted your guys' advice about something that's hotly debated all the time on uh, Fox Business News and other, uh, you know, these TV stations about the whole the whole debate between uh, buying the dip and uh, not catching a falling sword. <laughs> the two kind of uh, alternative strategies with respect to investing. And Ryan, I, I wonder what you what you think about the buy the dip strategy as an investment tool. Yeah, I think it's a gift from the gods any dip you get here. Because um, let's be honest, like I mean, if you look at it from last fall, you know, markets have barely been straight up. Um, you know, and right. depending on the market, some markets are already in a technically we're already in a bull market. If you look at the international markets since that bottom, so you know, I think what the market is telling you, and the fact that the market has rebounded so strongly here, um, you know, as we saw retail sales this week, which I think is worth mentioning, uh, was better than expected. People were spending money is get in, you know, don't waste time here. It's time in the market, not timing the market. Your bigger right. risk as a long-term investor is missing a move upwards because, you know, every right. correction we've had in history, eventually it goes higher here. So I think your biggest risk right now is to be underinvested. 
um, and, you know, trying to figure out on the sidelines here, you know, paralysis by analysis, that's a bad place to be, Steve. So are you talking about kind of buying and holding or do you want to shift your portfolio? How often do you want to do that? By the way, I'm talking to Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. And uh, before you answer that question, Bob, please uh, remind people how they can uh, get your free consultation. Well, guys, if uh, you know what, every week, as you know, we offer uh, 10 openings to reevaluate your financial plan and take advantage of that. All you have to do is text or call us at 844-752-6692 or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. So what do you think about uh, holding? Do you, are you believe in holding or how often should people be rearranging their portfolio? Well, here's a couple of things, Steve. You, know, you remember the famous Ronald Reagan lie, right? Trust, but verify. So we, have a new, we have a new term for our investors today. Trust, mm -hmm. but diversify, right? Okay. Don't have all your eggs right. in one basket. Make sure right. that you own some small company stocks. You own mid-company stocks. You own international uh -huh. stocks. But, you know, here's a little headline that I think, you know, regardless of how you feel, you know, in the short term, here's what's going to happen this year. This year, we're going to have close to $900 billion dollars in corporate buybacks. In addition, we're going to see dividends grow by about 5%, which is another $633 billion that's going to be paid out to investors. So you're talking about $1.5 wow. Steve, that's going to find its way back into the market. So they're going to be buying. So you might as well get ahead of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, we're also looking at uh, an economy that I'm having a hard time figuring out right now, frankly. It seems to be, you know, and I've been doing this a long time, 35 years, and uh, you, you, it gets good, some good signs on the economy. The retail numbers were good, as you know, Ryan, this week. But on the other, excuse me, on the other hand, you're seeing, you know, more consumer debt, which is, you know, something that's concerning. And you've been bullish. So I wonder if these, you know, changes in what's going on so far in 2023 have changed your perspective at all. Well, I think the only thing that's changed my perspective is you talk about a soft landing, hard landing. I don't think you're going to land at all, Steve. <laughs> you okay. have, yeah, that's, that's pretty um, bullish. You know, that's, that's very bullish. And, you know, yeah. I think that that retail sales number speaks to that. I mean, the fact that mm -hmm. people are still willing to spend money, um, you know, we're still at a relatively high level of inflation based on history. But even this weekend, you had some of the inflation numbers come out hotter than expected, like that producer price index. Um, mm -hmm. It came in year over year at 6%, which is high. But we got to remember, it was over 11% last March. You know, right. it's, down, it's come right. down 50% since then. Right. And you know, we saw that jobs number a couple of weeks ago. We know the job market's going to remain strong. I just got back from right. a conference in Orlando with a bunch of physical therapists. All their practices are booming. Their number one problem is they can't find labor. So right. if that labor shortage continues, and we think it is because demographics speak to it, right? We have 2.2 yep. million baby boomers retiring every year. People's yep. wages are going to stay very, very strong. And if you have money to spend because your wages are up, well, that's going to drive the economy. And that's very positive. That speaks to a positive GDP growth this year. Um, and again, that, that means this economy is probably not falling off a cliff like a lot of people have told you. Yeah, the, those statistics on labor force participation are really interesting. I mean, we have roughly 10 million opening job, open jobs in this country, and we have roughly 5 million unemployed people. So even if you put every unemployed person in a job, you still have 5 million jobs. <laughs> and by the way, that's that difference, yes. that 5 million jobs is we, we would have that number of additional workers if we could push up the labor force participation rate to where 
it should be and historically has been. So I think that is the challenge. Uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you, gentlemen, before uh, we go to our break, which is uh, I've heard you guys have been saying about international investing and diversifying um, in more global markets. And I wonder which which countries do you like or what which regions of the world do you like? Well, I think it's uh, it's very difficult to pick one country over another. And first of all, Steve, last year, I think it's a shock to most listeners to find out that the U.S. market was beat by 70 percent of the global markets last year. So 70 percent of all international markets outperformed the U.S. last year. And, you know, so far they're they're doing pretty well this year as well. So when you look at, you know, international, it's, rather than try to buy one company or one country, it's better to buy a broad basket, like a, an international index fund, but make sure you own developed companies, right? Europe, Japan, and also uh, what we call emerging markets, which includes the rest of the world. So it's better to, to, you know, own the basket rather than try and, you know, pick the one country that's going to do the best. But pop yeah, quiz. Ryan, yeah, I'm sorry. sorry just real sorry quick. Pop quiz. Yeah. Last year, United Kingdom, Britain was one of the best performers in Europe. Hard to believe. Amazing. So, Ryan, what about emerging markets? Uh, we, we think the emerging markets are probably one of your best long-term buyers. I mean, no one talks about this enough, and I can't emphasize it enough. China coming out of lockdown is huge for the global economy. They have something like mm -hmm. another $2 trillion to spend. They're consumers mm -hmm. just like we are. Um, we know the mm -hmm. boom we had in our country when we came out of lockdown, and they spend money globally. So, you know, everyone mm -hmm. benefits from that. Your big multinationals, actually European com companies disproportionately benefit. They spend more money with high-end luxury good manufacturers in Europe, all the stuff you don't have in your portfolio. But it's just so hard <laughs> to ignore that trend and what a positive impact that's going to have on the global economy coming into this year. So you have to have the emerging markets in your portfolio. Um, you know, they have the lowest valuations. Uh, they have some of the best dividend yields and their growth rates are mm -hmm. much faster than the U.S. And historically, they do, they do just as well as U.S. markets, even though the last decade they didn't. But you're seeing that change in leadership. You have to have it in your portfolio. Fantastic analysis, gentlemen. Thank you, as always. That's Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. We'll be getting their market update in just a minute. And I want to remind our listeners that after that, we, we will be joined uh, by my uh, friend and mentor, Arthur Laffer, to talk about the economy further. Gentlemen, uh, thanks so much. And we'll be right back. This is WABC Talk Radio. It's the More Money Show. Hey, if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, the world is not going to end. I get it, Bob and Ryan. Well, here's your shot to get your portfolio reevaluated. Every week, we keep 10 slots open for the whole show. We saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Bob and I will run our total financial master plan for you, our famous plan, and we'll do it with no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there that will literally do all this work up front. We go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, and we're just going to hone in on every issue you need to address today. Do you have an income plan for retirement? How are you going to draw from your portfolios? Factor in inflation. How do you take Social Security? Well, there's hundreds of ways to take it. Only one right way for you. We put together a full dynamic income plan, show you how you can pull from your portfolio, draw from your money without running out of money over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard last year? As markets were extremely volatile. Were you taking more risk than you thought? Or have you been sitting in cash, earning nothing on your money as inflation is still at 40-year highs? 
where we're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to diversify your money, grow it, but protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you high cost products that are very tax inefficient, whether it's annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products, insurance products. We're going to go through all of them for you, deep dive, all the hidden costs are, how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We're going to give you our full tax playbook. We've got 10 slots. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, you can call or text us right now. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, there's no cost, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob. You know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. We have a boutique firm here in New York City. We have offices in Philadelphia and Jacksonville. We spend pretty much all our time helping people with their financial planning, you know, designing a wealth plan so they don't run out of money. So I think we could talk for 2023. It's hard to believe we're like halfway through February now. We're, year's going by way too fast. Um, but some of the questions you want to ask yourself when you're designing your retirement plan, and you have to make sure that you have a lot of these areas covered. And you know, one of the first areas you really need to address is, do you have the right amount of risk in your portfolio? You know, not too hot, not too cold, because you know you can't get away with being too conservative, but you can't be too risky either. You know, Rye, I always say that uh, you know, risk is something that's fully recognized in hindsight. In other words, you have 2020 perception or 2020 eyesight when it comes to risk after you've already lost your money. So it's important. I think the number one <laughs> rule that, you know, I live by and you live by is know what you own and know why you own it. And I think the best way to do that is the way Einstein explained it. If you can't explain what you own to a six-year-old, then you don't own it. Then you don't understand it yourself. Well, that's the thing, because I think everyone looks at, oh, my gosh, financial planning, investing, it's so complicated. Well, it shouldn't be. <laughs> it should be common <laughs> sense. And it's, it's a great point, because there's a lot of ways you can build yourself a retirement strategy, but you have to build one that actually makes sense. It's easy to understand. It shouldn't be that complicated. And the other thing you want to consider is, to your point, Bob, like you don't know what risk you have until, unfortunately, the markets go down. So what we like to do and something I think everyone should do with their portfolio is put it under the stress test. You've got to look at like over every scenario, what could go wrong? You know, you got to throw the kitchen sink at your actual strategy. And I think that's what most of us don't do. And, you know, we do this all the time. We look at about 50 portfolios a month. We just look and see where the risk is, where you're going to have problems if interest rates go up or if uh, technology stocks go down. So it's so important to look ahead of time proactively and look where the potential pitfalls are. You don't want to know afterwards. That's the worst place to be. No, I think that's absolutely the way to do it, Rise, to run that stress test, see what happens. What if? What if interest rates went up? You're right. You know, what if we have another you know, 2000 or 2008 market crash? I mean, if you go back to 2008, there was no one in the world that thought the market would ever go up again. And here we are, 34,000. 
So you felt really bad at 8,000. You feel really good at 34,000. You feel even better if you had an investment plan and stayed invested over that period of time. Yeah. And the other, the other big question you have to ask yourself, and this is something you and I, we think about all the time is, are you utilizing every tax benefit available to you? You know, I, it's shame on you. If you don't look at where you can actually avoid paying taxes to the government legally and most of us don't look at just the little things you can be doing in your portfolio or tweaking so that there's more money in your pocket and less money in the government's pocket. But most of us don't take the time to actually do that. Right. You just nailed it on the head, right? It's a little things in life to make a difference in everything. Just think about everything in your life. And you go back and you say, boy, it's those little things that made the huge difference. And, you know, just a little thing. Like, you know, helping your children, your grandchildren put money into a Roth 401k instead of a regular 401k. The difference in performance, the amount of, of cash that they'll have in retirement is off the charts. And it's there's so many little things that if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you don't do this as a professional that you don't you're not aware of because things change all the time. We, you know, we work 24-7 to stay on top of all the things that are changing. And if you don't have someone who's doing that for you, you're missing an opportunity. Yeah. And it's like we always say, it's not what you make, it's what you take. And we find this all the time. Maybe you do have an income plan for retirement, but how is that income taxed, right? A lot of these annuities that get sold, not bought, Bob, is yeah. when you look at the actual income that they generate, a lot of times it's at the highest level, the highest tax bracket. You're paying at the highest tax rate you can possibly pay at. Where meanwhile, maybe you could own tax-free bonds, Roth money that's completely tax-free, but there's ways to design your retirement income plan, so you're paying less taxes, but you have to be very strategic about it and you have to look at the big picture. And I can tell you from the 50 or so portfolios we review every month, most of you are not utilizing every tax benefit that's available to you and you're leaving a lot of money on the table. In some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're going to pay in taxes over the next 20 years that you wouldn't pay if you were just on top of it. And Rod, I got to tell you, every lunch, every dinner, every interaction I have with my friends and my clients they keep asking me the same thing, Bob, why are taxes going up everywhere? You know, that's the whole conversation almost every day. You need to have a strategy. You know, look, everybody has to pay their fair share, but you don't have to overpay your taxes. And, you know, it's an unforced error in your net worth if you don't take advantage of some of the opportunities to reduce and minimize, you know, the impact of taxes on your life. Yeah, and, and exactly right. And the other, the other big question as well, on top of that, is just, do you have a budget? Do you know what you need to be spending every year or you can spend every year? Have you run those numbers? And again, we find that most of you haven't taken the time to do that, but having a, a budget, having a savings plan, or knowing what you're going to spend in retirement and factoring inflation is so critical, especially because your cost of living is going to double over the next 20 years because of inflation. And I can tell you from all the reviews we do, you probably haven't planned for that either. Hey, Rye, when I heard you say, do you have a budget? You know what happened in my head? It said, Bob, you sticking to your New Year's resolution? Bob, do you have a diet? Are you sticking to your diet? I mean, <laughs> no one wants to put together a budget. And trust me, folks, it's not that hard. You got to start somewhere. So, you know, whether you have a budget or not, you know, get a plan done, and then you'll see what you're spending, what the impacts are, and you can really get serious about it. But don't let that first step, you know, that first step of having a budget keep you from getting on the path to financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I've got to get on top of all this. Like, I don't know what kind of risk I have in my portfolio. I did get hit hard last year. 
Am I really taking advantage of every tax benefit I possibly can? And do I know what I'm spending in retirement? Do I have a game plan around that? Well, here's your shot to do it. We're down to four slots left. We have four slots left for the whole show. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. And we're just going to hone in on every issue that you've got to address right now, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? Well, there's lots of ways to do it. There's only one right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio? What's the best way to do that from a tax perspective? How do you factor in inflation is going to double over the next 20 years? Your cost of living is going to go up. We're going to put together a full dynamic income plan that factors in inflation so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard last year as markets were shallow? Were you taking more risk than you thought you were taking? Or have you been sitting in cash earning nothing, trying to figure out what to do with your money, paralysis by analysis. Well, we'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high cost products like annuities, insurance products, mutual funds, structured products, brokerage products. We've seen them all. We'll go through every investment you own, a deep dive, show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. We will give you our full tax playbook to make sure you're only paying the taxes you should be. Then we're gonna tie it all together in one total financial master plan if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call right now, 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844 844- P-L-A-N-N-Y-C. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost. There's no obligation, but you won't have a plan if you're not one of our next four, four, four callers. Call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844 844- Plan NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital Management, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. As I promised, we now have the renowned uh, economist, Arthur Laffer, on the line. Uh, thank you, Arthur. I know you don't like giving up your Saturday afternoons, and so uh, appreciate you covering out a little time to instruct us on what's going on with the economy. It baffles me completely. No, how how are you doing? What's going on in the economy? <laughs> I'm, I am doing great. If you don't mind me having a little fun with you and your guys, I've, I've always enjoyed being with you, Steve. Uh, well, I remind what's going you on in the economy that, right now is we're in a well, – Hold, hold on, a, Arthur. I want to just say one thing. I reminded sure. people at the beginning of the show because I, I uh, previewed that you were coming on, and I reminded people that you were the best man at my wedding. Yes, I was. <laughs> 
So you are uh, my best friend in the world, a mentor, and thanks for everything you do for the country. And you've been amazing to me as well. So I wanted to start this conversation. The reason I really wanted to talk to you today was this new analysis you've done of states like New York and New Jersey, uh, which are right in our strike zone here. Most of our listeners are in that area about the foolish policies that have been put put in place in these states that are causing people to leave. Yeah, well, you and I have worked on this together for a lot of years, Steve. I mean, yeah. probably 30 years or so we've yeah. worked on these things. And what comes out in this study, with you, by the way, uh, is there are seven states uh, that are trying to band together so they mm-hmm. can do a wealth tax or an unrealized capital gains tax right. or raise marginal tax rates. And the right. reason they're all banding together is very simply they think there's strength in numbers and that if enough of them get together, the rich people won't have anywhere to go and they'll just be captive and they'll just have to pay these these funds. Right. But what they fail to realize, Steve, is these are the highest tax states in the nation. Uh, if you combine property taxes, if you provide uh, do death taxes, if you look at tax rates – I mean, all the wealth taxes they put on, they are also the states that have the largest out-migration of adjusted gross income. These are the states losing money faster than anyone else. They've, they've lost huge amounts since the records were kept in 1992, but the uh-huh. amounts they're losing now are accelerating, Steve. They're, they're right, losing right. more and more every year. It's getting to be a, a death spiral for these states, and, uh, and they just keep on going. They don't stop. Well, the interesting thing, by the way, and you and I talked about this earlier today when we were talking in private, was that, you know, you look at like a state like Texas or a state like Florida, and they have gigantic budget surpluses. And then you look at, say, California and New York and New Jersey, and they, they're running out of money. So it seems to me that when you lose your taxpayers, you start losing out, running out of money. You do. It's amazing how if you don't have taxes and you have a lot of people on welfare and you spend way more than you need. Uh, you're going to run out of money. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal not long ago that compared Florida uh, with with New York, and it was just amazing uh, how much more New York spends and how much poorer their economy is than Florida. I mean, and the taxes, it's just crazy. It's a beautiful piece, just a short piece, but really good. Well, the thing that struck out out to me in that piece, Arthur, was that – New York and Florida have roughly the same population, but Florida's surpassed New York, but they're pretty close, wouldn't you say, in terms of population? And yeah, yeah I mean, York, it, unless you measure it by liberals or by conservatives, then you got to do it. Then they're not so close. But uh, in terms no. of the per capita, it's pretty much the same. And yet, well, this is amazing. And you got to explain this to, to me, Arthur. New York spends twice as much per person in, on their state government than. Uh, than uh, Florida does. And I don't know, you know, I, I've been to Florida. I'm in Florida right now. I mean, we have drinking water, we have uh, roads, we have bridges. <laughs> so what are the, are the public services better in New York than Florida? Really not. No, they're not. In fact, uh, the same comparison was done. I did. We, you and I did it in our book, The Wealth of States, if you'll remember. Mm-hmm. We did the story of Texas and, and California. And just Uh how different and how more efficient Texas is in spending its money, how much lower its taxes are, and just how uh, really wasteful California is. It's the same story uh, between New York and Florida. It's just shocking. And, you know, 
And it's so easy. It's so obvious to everyone. Why don't these people just follow the examples of successful states right. and get rid of their income to do all that stuff and get it on the right track? But they just don't do it, Steve. And then you did a study for our friends in the Garden State of New Jersey that I guess has not been published yet, but I've had the um, fortune, good fortune of reading that. And I think New Jersey has the highest business taxes, right, in the in the country, and they're not doing so well. Yeah. I, oh, it's not just business taxes. It It is business taxes, but it's everything else. It's all filled with corruption and credits and omissions and deductions, right. exemptions, <laughs> exclusions. It's just all filled with that buying off every group they can think of. And every time they do another omission or credit or any of that stuff, they raise the rates and they destroy yeah. the state. It, no one, no one in their right mind could figure out what's going on <laughs> in the business tax in New Jersey. It's beyond comprehension. It's just tragic, say, and there you, they go. Yeah. You say in your study – well, by the way, remind people – I mean, it's my, one of my favorite stories that you tell about comparing New, uh, New Jersey, uh, say, circa 1965 versus today, because that wasn't so long ago. Well, I, I have fun, some fun in this one because, uh, well, in 1965, New Jersey had neither an income tax nor a sales tax. It was wow. the fastest growing state in the nation. Wait, wait, People wait, from they, everywhere were migrating into the hold state. Hold on, uh, Arthur, hold on. Are you, you're saying they had a zero sales tax and a zero income tax? Yes. Oh, there were a number of states like How that, but New Jersey was one of them. Well, they have the property taxes, they have other taxes, and they don't have a people who are unemployed. They limited the amount of government spending. I mean, you know, the world is different back then. And then they put in the sales tax, then they put in the income tax. And then it came up to the time of John Corzine, who who was a student of mine at the University of Chicago, and uh, just in full disclosure, a C student. Um, (laughs) And after after uh, seeing MF Global, I'm not even sure he earned the C. If you know what I mean, uh, and they had the highest tax rates everywhere and everything. Uh, they were the second slowest growing state. People were leaving like rats out of a sink, out of a sinking ship, and they had huge deficits. You know, this is the world that was once New Jersey was the dream state. It was the North Star. It was the best of all states, and now it's about the worst of all states. It just shows how how quickly angels fall and become devils. Well, speaking of angels, uh, you live in an angel state. You, I mean, you've been boasting about what's going on in the volunteer state of Tennessee, where you live. And some of those statistics are just amazing that you were telling me about. It's the same story. I mean, it's just not more examples of it. I mean, we are the lowest tax state in the nation, Steve. We have no yeah. income tax. We have no unearned income tax. Uh, you know, we have the third lowest property taxes in the nation. We have no death tax. We have, tax. We have no gift tax? tax. No death no tax. Death. No gift tax. Uh, right. We have uh, put the no income tax into our constitution. We're a right to work state. That also was put into our constitution. Uh, you know, we have a part time legislature. Uh, you know, it's just an amazing we're the we have the biggest surplus relative to our budget of any state in the nation. We're the highest credit rating tied with four others uh, by all three credit rating agencies. Uh, we have fully funded pension funds. I think we're the third ra- highest ranked relative to Pew. Uh, we have the fastest growth in employment to population in the year and a half before 2019. Uh, if you look at it also, we have uh, improved our roads dramatically. We have the biggest improvement in education for both fourth grade reading and fourth wow. grade math and eighth grade wow. reading and eighth grade math, which are the <laughs> wow. prime four measures 
done by the NAEP scores by the Department of Education. So, you know, other than that, it's really a lousy state. We don't have New York City, Steve. We don't have beaches like Florida does. We don't have mountains like South Dakota does with people's faces in them. We don't have the Grand Canyon. We don't have California. We don't have Hollywood. We just have low taxes and people move to our state. Now you want to find. Oh, wait numbers? a minute, wait a minute, Arthur. You do have the smoke, the Great Smoky Mountains, which are beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> everyone claims they've got some silly thing like Smoky Mountains or great people. Every state has great people, and you can't name the river that runs through our big, our, our biggest city, our capital. What is? It? I no don't know. Can. I should know it, but it's I don't know. Cum- it. It's the Cumberland. You know, we don't have anything of anything. We do have Hollywood. We do have Dollywood, and we have country music. Yeah. But all of that's there. But we are the only state, Steve, the only state that attracts net income from Florida. All 48 <laughs> other states lose net income to Florida. Ron DeSantis, bless him, and, and, and Rick Scott, both of them did great, 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 great jobs in Florida. But we are the only state that attracts net income from Florida. Amazing. Cool? Yeah, well, it is It is exciting to see, as you know, uh, I went to West Virginia early this week to uh, Charleston, West Virginia. They're, they're, they've got a big budget surplus. They've got a governor who wants to get rid of their income tax. And it's just amazing to me that so many of these blue states like Connecticut, New, like New Jersey, like New York, they're bleeding people. They're bleeding money. It's almost like they can't change when it's so obvious what they need to do. In ter- I mean, remember, Connecticut is another state. They didn't have an income tax until what? Uh, Lowell Weicker. 1991. 1991. It was Lowell Weicker, a Republican governor who put in the income tax, a fellow Yaley, by the way, and a disgusting human. And and ever since then, all they've had is financial problems. True. That's exactly true. (laughs) These people just get caught in a rut, and they can't get out of it, Steve. And it's so instead of getting out of it, people just leave. And it's sad because it would be much, much better for everyone if the states would just change their policies and let the people stay there. But no, no, no. They've got to go after the rich people until all of them leave. And then one thing that worries me, Virginia. Yeah. So one thing that worries me uh, is that some of these states like your old – you used to live in California for many years, and now California is going to go after people like you, Arthur Laffer. You know what they want to do? They want to go back and look at how much money you made when you were in California. And you've been out of California, what, 15, 20, I don't know, remember exactly how many years. years but 17 years, yeah. 17. So they want to pass a law that would say we can claw back some of that money that Arthur Laffer made while he was here at, in a wealth tax. And I don't see how that's constitutional, but what impact would something like that have? No, it is. It is clearly is not constitutional, and I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer. But uh, the Constitution has the privileges clause, which allows anyone to move anywhere at any time as long as they're willing to live with it within the confines of the laws of that place, and there can't be any restrictions on trade. So, uh, you know, it would be very hard, given that California signs off on your tax returns after three years, that they then could redirect those tax returns. And then go after you. That that seems very hard for me to imagine. Uh, but uh, California tries all sorts of stuff. They chase people for years. And um, in my case, they tried to chase me, but I, I did my homework. So one thing I want to uh, – by the way, I promised I'd only keep you for 15 minutes. We're up – do you have a few more minutes, Arthur? Sure, Can of course, I, Steve, of course. Because we're having fun with you, and, and our listeners learn so much from you. So uh, the estate tax. Uh, you and I have 
long been advocates for getting rid of the federal estate tax. Now these states, and, and we looked at the evidence, by the way, as you know, and the estate tax, I think last year it collected about $16 billion out of you know $4 trillion of revenue. So it's completely financially irrelevant. Wouldn't we just be better off getting out, getting rid of it? Yeah, of course we would. But then we wouldn't be able to punish other people by punishing ourselves, which is what the estate tax is. I mean, exactly. look at Steve. You can earn your income. You can pay your taxes fair and square, and you can take that money. The government says you can take that money. It's your money. You can go to Vegas. You can carouse. You can gamble. You can drink and you can smoke. That's fine with the federal government. God bless you. It's your money. But if you take that same money, you rat and give it to your children or give it to other people or give, give it away in any sh- way, shape, or form in your estate, they'll come after you with a 40% tax rate, Steve. They're rewarding all the wrong things, and they're punishing all the right things. And it's just no wonder that people just there. What's wrong with leaving your money to your kids to get them good education, to get them well-set and things? Buy them out. I mean, it's what people do. That's why we have kids is because we love them. But no, 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 not the federal government. They hate your kids. Well, then, of course, not just that, but, you know, you have a second or third generation family owned business. And many times the heirs have to sell the business to pay the taxes. I mean, literally. Well, Yeah, that's just one specific example. But you're right. It's just it's every which way you turn. uh, They try to get you. And uh, I, I don't get it. I mean, rich people are wonderful people. They are the people who create jobs, output, employment, invent things, become great and famous to invent drugs that save lives, do all that stuff. I mean, look at Elon Musk. Look at all these other people, Bill Gates, all of them that have invented wonderful things. We should love these people, Steve. We should send them flowers on their birthday. We should welcome them. The All these high-tax states, the seven that we talked about, should get rid of their death tax, should lower their income taxes, should lower put limits on property taxes and should say, come on back home, rich people. We welcome you with open arms. But no, no, no. They want to destroy the very people who have created the prosperity for all the people. It's crazy. So I'll give you an example of what you're talking about. My, uh, one of the richest people in the country and what, certainly once upon a time, one of the richest residents of the state of Illinois, another blue state that's going down the drain, was Ken Griffin of Citadel. I don't know if you ever met Ken Griffin. Uh, well, it's the Ken Griffin School of, Biz- uh, School of Economics now at the University of Chicago. Well, it's a good example of why I brought him up because he has given away massive, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to virtually every, you know, charity in Chicago, whether it's the, you know, animal shelter or the homeless shelter or building out the universities and uh, the arts and culture. I mean, he is an incredible, incredibly charitable man. And they finally just chased him out of the state with all the taxes because they got a sack of the rich. You know, we're going to hit him hard. So now he's moved to Palm Beach, Florida. And now all the charities are saying, wait a minute. He's not giving to the animal shelter anymore. He's not giving to the museums. He's not because he doesn't live there anymore. They they literally they 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 literally slayed the goose that lays the golden eggs. They did, and they do it in all sorts of states. You know who was I forget the name of the guy who left from uh, from uh, New Jersey and went to Florida. Oh, I mean, Tudor Jones. All of these Tudor people. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know all these other Steve that that have just left, and it's it's shocking. You know, we had we were leaving. People were leaving Tennessee too for Florida until we got rid of our death tax and, and gift tax. 
And now it's stopped. It's reversed, as I showed you. I mean, we got rid of our uh, unearned income tax. It was called the hall tax. We, I mean, I've been waging a war in Tennessee, not a war. It's been very easy. But we now are putting in, trying to put in a, 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 a property tax limit of 1% effective tax rate on market value, uh, just the way we did in California with Prop 13. You know, it's really – taxes matter, Steve, and they matter a lot. I don't know There's if you've, about that. you've had a chance a to look about – yeah. Uh, my book with uh, with uh, you. Well, you know the book. Yeah, no, but our listeners don't. And I apologize. I didn't mention the book. Shame on me. Great well, book. Go ahead. Taxes, taxes <laughs> have consequences. Who's your publisher? Our publisher is uh, Foothill. Isn't it Foothill Publishing? Foothill Bill Publishing. It's it's like a bestseller now. It's unbelievable. An economics book is <laughs> it's a bestseller because America, a lot of people are uh, are uh, you know afraid of economics, but. Uh, great, great book. Great, great charts. Uh, you get it for your kids. You know, every high school student and college student should read that book. Uh, one final thing. We got literally two minutes left. Thanks again for joining us. Your quick uh, outlook for this U.S. economy. I can't quite figure out where it's headed. Well, with the policies that we have now, the outlook is going to be very slow and and, and, and growth and be way above below par. Uh, below par growth for as far as the eye can see with these policies. You'll have blips and dips and ups and downs, but bottom line, this economy is is going to underperform the long-term record dramatically uh, as long as we don't get good policies. Now, I am quite optimistic about 2024 and the change in direction of America. We have yet to find the right guy, Steve. I mean, uh, Trump did a damn good job when he was president on the economy, uh, but he got – knocked out and the question is who is the next person to come in and make this prosperity uh really take off again we could have a decadal growth of three and a half percent per annum literally with good policies we could get our our participation rate up from 62 and a half percent to 69 and a half percent all we need is good policies do not pay people not to work and do not tax them excessively if they do work just don't do that and you'll have enormous growth it's not, not complicated. complicated. As Larry Gatlin, <laughs> who's from Nashville, says, it ain't rocket <laughs> surgery, Steve. It ain't rocket <laughs> surgery. Well, that's Arthur Laffer, folks. Arthur, thank you so much for uh, My pleasure, time Steve. Your, I know you don't like to do it, so I really appreciate your coming on, folks. That's uh, the great economist Arthur Laffer. His book, of course, is Taxes Have Consequences. Uh, and don't forget to get our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. Just go to our website. Folks, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. It's a great country, despite what the politicians are doing. And I'll see you next Saturday on WVC Talk Radio. This is the More Money Show. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.